With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode number 266 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and this is the end of season four of the podcast. We're going to pick up and cover the PLL in the summer, but as you all know, Notre Dame has now been crowned the Division I College Across National Champion after defeating Duke 13-9 on Memorial Day this past weekend. This is officially the Shooting Blanks episode. Uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show here. Uh, Liam Entman named the game's most outstanding player, making 18 saves, seven of those saves coming over the fourth quarter as the Irish pulled away from the Blue Devils en route to winning the program's first national title. Before I dive into how it all happened, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you are an audio listener, share the crap out of it with your friends. And if you're an audio listener not listening on Spotify, I cannot stress enough, just download the Spotify app, listen to me through there because Spotify has both the video and the audio episode bundled together. So you can listen to audio with the phone vertical, you can turn it horizontal and you're watching the video so you can see the highlights and all that crap. And there are going to be a ton of highlights highlights in this episode with replays for sure I'm going to get demonetized on this video and they are going to take my revenue but it is going to be worth it so let me shut up right now and then you can always go to laxfactor.com and support us that way you can get t-shirts all that crap support the channel but let me shut up here I want to talk about this uh, I want to talk about how this game broke down so we're going to dive right into the play-by-play -play, and then we'll talk about you know some points and things of that sort now Garrett Ledman he would get Duke on the board first their only lead of the game and it came just 35 seconds into the first quarter he went down the left alley ended up getting underneath his man put it high past Liam Entman and now it is one nothing Duke Notre Dame would go on a six goal run that would span just over 21 minutes the first was scored by Brian Tevlin on a dish from Chris Kavanaugh Kavanaugh found Tevlin on the crease after working to get Get his hands free. He put it in the bottom left corner, uh, kind of hit the pipe, the low pipe there. No chance for Wilhelm to make that save. And now it is one up. Eric Dobson, he dodged down the left alley, stuck it on the run with 7.16 left in the first quarter. That broke the tie. And now all of a sudden it is two to one Notre Dame. A feed intended for Jake Taylor on the crease, missed its mark, but made it through the defense to the backside where Chris Kavanaugh scooped it up. He laced it past Helm, stick side high, high right past Helm's ear hole, and now it is 3-1 Notre Dame. And this, I'm showing every goal in this sequence because this was huge in this game. And what we saw was incredible defense by Notre Dame. Uh, more, more importantly, we saw some really sick saves out of Liam Entman to help Notre Dame go on this run. Uh, the run is going to continue, though. Jake Taylor picked up a loose ball on the low crease that came out of a scrum, uh, just came right to Taylor. Very opportunistic goal. He picked it up, put it stick side high past Helm. Now it is 4-1 to one, Notre Dame. 
And as I said, this run couldn't have happened without Notre Dame's defense playing at a really high level. They forced two Duke turnovers over that first quarter, in addition to Liam Liam Entman stopping four of the five shots that Duke put on cage. And that was going to be a problem all day for Duke. Duke did not hit the cage effectively. We'll talk about that a little bit later here. Notre Dame's fourth goal of the game, actually it was the fifth goal of the game, was set up by a beautiful double team by Chris Conlon on Duke's, uh, Duke freshman Charles Balsamo, who turned his back on Conlon. He wasted no time, converged, forced the ball to the deck, picked up the ground ball, huffed it up to Chris Fake, and then Notre Dame gets another possession here. And then on that ensuing possession, Notre Dame caught Duke sleeping as they were subbing their midfielders on. Jalen Seymour found Jeffrey Ricky Ardelli just off the crease to the left. He quick-sticked it uh, five-hole on helm, and now it is five-to-one Notre Dame. Will Donovan forced Schelling into a bad pass with a subtle slap check on his hands, which led to my favorite goal of the day, Quinn McCann hitting it on the bad side from the bad side of midfield. He let it rip, stuck it bar down to make the score six to one Notre Dame with 527 left in the first half. And now we can kind of interject here and we can talk about the 10-man ride, I, I feel like there have been more 10-man rides deployed this year than we have ever seen. And if that's not true in terms of the frequency with which we've seen 10-man rides and teams pulling that out of their pocket, uh, what we have definitely seen is people talking about it. And it is one of my favorite things to see is a defender or a short stick D mid letting it rip from the bad side of midfield against a 10 man ride. You hear a lot of people saying maybe they should change the rule. Maybe if you take a shot from the bad half of midfield, uh, no matter who gets to the end line first, maybe that should be considered a turnover. I think that's dumb. I feel like when you dabble in the flesh trade, um, I don't know what the other side of that, that saying is here, but you know, sometimes when you play with fire, you get burned. I love the fact that a team is willing to pull their goalie, ride you with 10 guys, and then the easy way to beat it is to take a shot. I, I, I think that it is a little bit shitty in certain situations where guys are just taking shots, obviously, to win the possession, but that's how it works. But without that being a thing, guy, a guy like Quinn McCann in this game may not let that rip from, shit, what was it, 60 yards? and hit it bar down, one of the sickest full-field goals, or not full-field, but from distance goals that we've ever seen, and huge juice goal for Notre Dame nonetheless. And overall... That's how, like, you know, that, that happened with what, 527 left in the first half. That made it six to one Notre Dame here. That's how the half ended six to one Notre Dame. I was surprised as hell. Now, over that first half, Duke, Duke took 24 shots, only put nine of them on cage. And Entman obviously saved eight of them. And an incredible first half out of Liam Entman. And I'm going to be honest, I did not give Liam Entman my first team All-American vote. I'm not sure I gave him my second. I may have given him my third. I've even talked about this because I felt like he didn't have a seat the season in terms of save percentage that some other guys had with lesser defenses in front of him. He totally kicked me in the dick on this one the weekend that I got a vasectomy nonetheless and made me look stupid. And, and I'm, I, I'm not, I can't say enough good things about how Liam Entman played in this game. Uh, he put Notre Dame on his back, and it was just absolutely incredible. Uh, the Irish, they were also winning the faceoff battle at this point. Uh, five of eight, Notre Dame had won over Jake Naso. They outplayed the Blue Devils when the ball was on the turf. They picked up 19 ground balls to Duke's 10. Later in the game, Duke would even that out. But by then, it didn't matter. Uh, the second half would end up being a little bit more interesting. Jack Gray would score Duke's first goal since the first minute of the game, just over two minutes into that first half. Notre Dame broke down in transition as Duke was getting ready to sub. No one stopped Gray. He stepped down into an easy goal, 6-2 to two Notre Dame. 
Brennan O'Neill would get Duke back to within a goal with 9.03 remaining in the third off a man-up goal dished by Andrew McAdory. It was nothing special in terms of the set. McAdory was kind of back right at X, tossed it up to O'Neill, who was on that right wing with a stick lefty on the outside, and he let a Pennsylvania piss missile. You can look that up on Urban Dictionary if you'd like to because it fits in this case. He let a Pennsylvania piss missile loose past Entman. Perfect placement, off stick side, hugging the pipe, about shoulder level, not off stick hip or anything like that, but still very tough for Entman to get to. Entman kind of guessed low on the shot and then had to come back up to try to get it uh, up near his shoulder. Very tough to read, though, for any keeper. And now it's 6-5, Notre Dame. After Notre Dame answered back, Duke scored two more back-to-back. The second goal of that run scored by Charles Balsamo tied the score up for only the third time of the game, and that includes the 0-0 tie. Balsamo was actually trying to feed Dyson Williams on the backside. Ball got deflected by a defender and went in, only fitting at this stage that the goal that tied this game up was kind of trash because it was. Now, because of that, Duke's revelry would be short-lived as Notre Dame would manage to score two goals in the final 27 seconds of that third quarter to take that two-goal lead back. How demoralizing. You tie the game up after you've been down the entire time. You are now feeling pumped as hell because you got a cheese goal to tie this game up. And then just 30 seconds later, boom, you're no longer tied. And then less than 27 seconds after that, boom, now you're down by two again, right where you were before. The first goal scored by Brian Tevlin on a dish from Pat Kavanaugh. Dobson dodged down the right alley. Uh, actually, it was the left alley, I believe. Drew a slide, hit Kavanaugh at GLE, who then bumped it to, to a cutting Tevlin on the crease. He stuck it quick-like as he was falling to the turf, and now it's 8-7 Notre Dame. That came with 27 seconds left in that third quarter. The final goal of the third quarter was scored by Chris Kavanaugh just with 0.6 seconds left on the clock. Uh, He was dodging up the right side from X. As he was hitting GLE, he put on the brakes, face dodged his man underneath, dove to the top of the goal mouth, put it high past Helm, who guessed low, a beautiful goal by one of the toughest lax rats in the country. 9-7, Notre Dame. And then that's all she wrote, folks. Duke would score one more goal in the game on their way to losing 13-9. Matt Kavanaugh, He had lost a heartbreaker to Duke in the national championship game. I think it was like a decade ago. And his little brothers brought home Notre Notre Dame's first title in program history. I got to change that in my notes here. First, first, first thing I want to do here, I want to talk about Liam Entman. As we come down here and we look at the goalie battle, let me say here, Wilhelm did not have a bad game. The only reason it wasn't 10 to 1 at, 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 uh, at the end of the first half was because Wilhelm actually had a solid first half. Uh, Notre Dame's offense was getting good looks. Wilhelm robbed them on numerous occasions. But with all that said, Liam Entman was a monster. 18 saves against nine goals against. Um, I do want to talk about the Kavanaugh's eventually, but you know, because they're tough, they, they got on the Pat McAfee show. That was absolutely huge. But the big, but here, Liam Entman, without question, the MVP of this game, the MVP of this tournament, maybe the MVP of the season. Once I go back and look here, you know, a lot of people get mad. MVPs to winners tend to be offensive players. I'm legitimately debating here, maybe making Liam Entman my freaking player of the year because of how he played in this national title game here. Cannot say enough good things about him. The dude was a wall. 
he led the defense. It wasn't just that he was making stops, but after making those stops, he was correcting the defense in all of the right ways, talking his guys through their help uh, situations. I mean, he just played an incredible game, a true team leader. It's insane that I believe he still gets to come back and play another year at Notre Dame. I thought that it feels like he's been there for like 15 years already. Can't say enough good things about Entman. Now, second, I want to talk about Will Lynch because as we come in here and we look at what Lynch did at the faceoff dot, 12 of 19 at the faceoff dot, five ground balls, got a lot of help from his wings, which is always, you know, it has to be the case when you're playing a guy like Jake Naso. So Will Lynch did an incredible job. Now, to be certain, Lynch has had moments this year as we go through his stats where he's just been absolutely awful. In this game against Michigan, which I believe was an Notre Dame win, 15%. Terrible. In this game against Virginia, 23%. Now, granted, Mich- Michigan has Rowlett and uh, uh, Wheatfelt, uh, so th- they're really good, but he only won 15%. He was 2 of 13 on that day. And then against Virginia, he goes 23%, 3 of 13. Not much better. Uh, has a good game against Syracuse because Syracuse's faceoff guys were a joke, but then Duke, 33%. North Carolina, t- who has a young, you know, uh, tire. Is a young dude for North Carolina. Lost only won 20% in that game. But then you start to see here towards the end of the season, second meeting with Petey LaSala in Virginia, he wins 42%. Second meeting against North Carolina, he wins 50%. So we're seeing improvement. Terry Foy talked about this in the Tailgate podcast, that one thing he'd been saying all year to people in his circle, that you watch Will Lynch. He's a young dude. He's a sophomore from an eligibility standpoint. And the kid can the kid is a good faceoff man, and he's going to get better. And we start to see in these two games he shows improvement. You know, he went from twenty percent against North Carolina in the first meeting to fifty percent, and then the NCAA tournament something clicked with this kid against Utah, won seventy nine percent. And Utah has a solid faceoff man. I forget his name off the top of my hand off the top of my head here, but they they don't have a chump at the faceoff dot. Hopkins, I was surprised at this one. He lost forty two percent, but then again. Third meeting against P.D. LaSala, he goes 59%, so continues to improve against Virginia. 23% in their first meeting, 42% in their second meeting, 59% in the national semifinals, so absolutely incredible job by Will Lynch there. And then against Jake Naso, first, I believe Naso was the first team All-American, considered the best face-off guy in the country across all of the metrics that you consider for a face-off guy, and Will Lynch wins 63%. Now, I know I've talked a lot more about Will Lynch in this game than Liam Entman. Partly that's just because Liam Entman gets talked about a shitload. I've talked about Entman. Everybody else does. He's the MVP. But what Will Lynch did in this game cannot be spoken of highly enough. I mean, this dude... Just He put this team on his back at the faceoff dot, and it absolutely changed the outcome of this game. If he just wins 50%, we've got a different-looking game. If he only wins 45%, I'm not sure Notre Dame pulls it out and wins this game because Duke's offense would have eventually gotten enough possessions to get clicking, and he prevented them from doing that by just being a killer at the faceoff dot. So credit to Will Lynch for that. If we look at how they played out over the course of the game, we see Notre Dame at halftime doing pretty damn good here. They had won five of eight, and then over the course of the second half, they won nine to Duke's seven. So they, you know he beat Naso in every quarter of the game, beat him by one in the first, one in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, and route to winning 14 of the 24 faceoffs as a team Notre Dame did. So obviously Lynch, uh, Lynch won more than that. Uh, it was uh, what's-his-nuts that uh, had lost a couple. Uh, Hagstrom went 2-5, but still not terrible for Hagstrom either. So 
Boom. That was the second thing I wanted to talk about here. Uh, the third thing that I would like to talk about here is the Notre Dame defense overall. Did not force a ton of turnovers. Will Donovan forced two turnovers. Chris Kavanaugh won. Tevlin forced one. Pat Kavanaugh forced one. Chris Fake forced one. Ben Ramsey and Jose Boyer forced one. And actually, I thought that um, uh, uh, Con Conlon had one that they didn't give him credit for on that double team. So I'm thinking maybe it was Donovan's. I don't know. Either way, this defense... Duke rarely got shots off in this game without someone being either on or at least in the area of their hands. Now, when you've got a goalie who's already playing well, and then you've got a defense who's not giving up time and room shots, they're making Duke work for it. Duke was forced to shoot on the run a lot. They were forced to shoot, you know, contested shots, almost all of them. You know, the defense generally won their 1v1 matchups. That's And then if they didn't win that 1v1 matchup, they either got help there was maybe some kind of tricky double team, or Entman was just there to save their asses. But the Notre Dame defense as a whole, they played incredible team defense. They were physical. They got after loose balls. They supported each other, and they trusted their pimp goaltender. So it, it, just everyone across the entire unit, from the faceoff guys all the way down to the short stick D midfielders. All, you know, you got Tevlin and, and Quinn McCann that are, are rocking that position with other guys uh, uh, showing that they have quality and depth at the defensive midfielder position. Um, and then right down to the LSMs, long poles, everybody played absolutely incredible. I can't say enough about it. Fourth, I want to talk about the supporting cast on offense. Now, this is one I actually got an email this morning from, I think it was Wendell. Now I'm forgetting who sent me the email. It might've been Wendell, uh, one of a longtime follower and pal here now of the show. He had said, I hope you don't do what everybody else did. And I had already had this written up and I was already not going to do what everyone else did. But we're, the, the Kavanaugh's are getting a ton of attention. We had the, the them show up on the the um, the uh, Pat McAfee show, which was incredible. He interviewed these dudes for like an hour. Absolutely incredible interview. If you haven't seen it, search Pat McAfee Kavanaugh, because you only need to search Pat once, and uh, it'll come up and you can watch that interview, an incredible interview. Th these dudes made me like them even more than I already did. Just great ambassadors for the sport here. But, but they did not have their best games here. Now, Chris Kavanaugh playing with a black eye from the game before, five stitches here above his eyeball. I think it was what? Probably it was his, if I'm trying to picture it. I don't know. It was like his right eyeball or some shit. Either way, he goes two and one, three points. You'd expect that from Chris Kavanaugh. Jake Taylor, usual suspect here. He goes two and one, but it's guys like Jack Simmons who went one and two. Had to pick up a little bit of the slack here for an injured Pat Kavanaugh who couldn't dodge. Guys like Brian Tevlin, two goals, including the game winner last and on Saturday. Eric Dobson, the big midi. He had, a, he had a big game on Saturday as well. He comes in with two goals. Quinn McCann scores the Pennsylvania piss missile from deep. He had two goals on the day. Rick, Ricky Ardelli scored that quick stick in another. I mean, it, you come down here to Pat Kavanaugh, who was playing with a pretty much a fake leg at this point in the game. There's a picture of it. Uh, actually, here, I'm going to show you guys the picture of this as we go through. I bookmarked a couple of these. Let's see how easy is it to get to my bookmarks. All bookmarks. Let's go. All right. So here is a picture of what Pat Kavanaugh was dealing with on um, Monday. I think that was Monday. You see this bruising here? Anytime you see bruising on a torn or on a uh, a, 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 um, a hammy like that, it's usually going to be because there was some sort of tear. Uh, so he's got blood pooling. Actually, the blood was pooling even lower in his leg come the Pat McAfee show, show when he showed them. But they're trying to fake a hamstring here so that his partially torn hamstring didn't have to do as much work. Look at the hot, the cob job 
that this is and what this kid played on. So credit to him for that. The other thing I want to talk about here is as we're talking about the Kavanaugh's, um, well, you know what? I'm talking about the Kavanaugh's a little too soon here. So let me get back to what I was going to do here beforehand, which was talk about the supporting cast. So Jack Simmons and company, all of them did an incredible job. These dudes, uh, uh, you would think that with your hobbled stars and you're playing against Duke, that that's a really bad setup here. I had actually, I didn't get a chance to pick for this game here because I, you know, I didn't do a show after on Saturday. I was sore. I couldn't sit here on my, at my desk for any amount of time, but, um, when your when your stars aren't playing well, I, I I didn't hesitate to take a bet out uh, on Duke at, at four. I thought Duke might win this game by four goals or more. So when your stars are hurting and you're about to play Duke in the national title game, I thought all things were stacked against them. What I didn't count on was the depth of Notre Dame, the supporting cast of Notre Dame, outplaying the supporting cast of Duke. The fact that Notre Dame's defense was able to take Brennan O'Neill, Andrew McAdory, and Dyson Williams to a degree out of this game the then it came down to whose supporting cast was going to play better. I would have bet on Dukes, and that was not what happened. Notre Dame's depth won them this national title. So the depth, guys like Jack Simmons, Dobson, Quim McCann, Jeffrey Ricciardelli, Brian Tevlin, and the like, they deserve a lot of credit on a day that Pat Mac, you know, Pat um Kevin, I was playing on that makeshift hammy here. Uh, and then we had to talk about, and this was the other one I wanted to talk about here. It was the hit. On here's the hit. Let's uh bust this full. Look at that, brutal. Now, if this was the NFL, if this was the NFL, they'd be that uh, uh, Bauer there. I think it was Brower that hit him there. He'd be put in jail almost for sure. The fact that he kept playing, that you can see he pops up almost right away, probably just to avoid getting the the uh, concussion test and everything like that. You know he his bell was rung. You know he did not feel good. You see those arms were kind of sitting up like this after he went down, which would mean he kind of lost time for a moment. So the fact that we had banged up dudes like this and, and that they were both banged up from the beginning of this game till the end, and this supporting cast came out and, and pulled a win out of their asses for Notre Dame is just absolutely incredible. Credit to this whole team, coaching staff, everything for being ready for that. Fifth now, fifth, we're now going to talk about the Kavanaugh's because the reality is that the Kavanaugh's set the tone for this entire team, in my opinion. I feel like the, the toughness that they play with, the fact that your two biggest offensive stars are also – leaders on your team in terms of forced turnovers. They do not take a moment off. They ride like absolute animals. They scrap for ground balls. They score garbage goals. They dodge. They feed. They do everything. You could not ask for better example in terms of, hey, our best offensive players are also some of our toughest defensive players, at least as it pertains to the ride. You you got to give them credit, man. They they they're the kindling that stoked the fire. They play with a level of toughness that is unmatched by any other duo in the country, in my opinion. Their love of the game unquestioned. Their talent similarly unquestioned. They have fun. They play hard. They do everything well and max out their effort at all times, and that's what makes this team tick. And I believe that's why Notre Dame ends up winning this game. And uh, it, man, it was what what a great what a game. Liam Entman, though, he's definitely my MVP of the tournament overall. Uh, if we, you know, I kind of want to dive into a little bit more of what 
you know, man up, extra man opportunities was kind of a wash here. Both teams cleared the ball well. Like when you look at it, Notre Dame turned the ball over a few more times. Uh, they didn't clear quite as well, not even close to as well as Duke. Although, once again, this is Duke's box score. I'm using Duke's box score because Notre Dame suck. But as we talk about Entman, steady as crap over the course of that first half. Like I said, Duke only put nine shots on cage. Entman gobbled eight of those bad boys up. But even you look at the second half here, Duke took 47 shots overall and only put 27 of them on cage. So, I mean, even here, they put 12 they take 12 shots, only six of them are on cage. Entman saves three of them. They take 11 shots, only six of them on cage. Entman saves seven of them. So when I think that as people are talking about Chris Fake and his efforts in terms of of shutting uh, the of shutting O'Neal down, I don't think Fake shut O'Neal down as much as this team shut O'Neal down. I mean, you you see Fake got help. You see Entman robbed O'Neal, and then you see O'Neal took nine shots, only put four of them on cage, and Entman saved the other three. So I think that really what happened here was Fake did a good job on O'Neal for sure in terms of limiting his looks, but he still got nine shots off. I, I think that what Fake did well was didn't leave him around alone and give him complete and utter ridiculous time-and-room shots. When he got those time-and-room shots, that one-man-up goal that he scored where nobody was on his hands, he stuck it. But his dodging shots, the, the the question marks that he normally would score up that right, turning back to his left, those all sailed wide more often than not. That you could you could credit Fake for being in place, for being on his hands, but you can also credit Entman for making that cage feel really really small. Again, like I said, I want to gush over Entman because he deserves it. You know what a game! All right, so we've talked about it. The, the title's over here. Um, now let's kind of talk about how did they get there. And how they got there here, Duke, they beat Penn State, and we we had the Garrett Ledman, you know, the dive goal that everybody was pissed about. I, I didn't look at this, and I wanted to get a still for this, but I thought the Dyson Williams goal that they called off earlier in the game, I thought might have gone over the goal line before Williams' foot touched down in the crease. So I thought that one might be kind of all is fair in love and war. You know, you look at Jake Naso, 65%. So, I mean, the way Duke played in that Penn State game, Penn State played well made them win it in overtime, but I still thought Duke was still playing well in all of the most important places. Uh, let's dive in here and see what Wilhelm did. Uh, yeah, Wilhelm had a terrible save percentage, so that wasn't great. And then if we saw how Notre Dame got there, they simply took it to Virginia. They win in overtime. The Brian Tevlin goal was absolutely incredible. Uh, Eric Dobson was big in that game. He goes 4-1. and one. So, I mean, what a tournament, though. Saturday's games, we see two overtime games on Saturday. I was nursing my sore nuts on Saturday. As many of you know, I got a, a friggin' vasectomy Friday morning. I don't know why I decided to do this Memorial Day weekend, but I did. Long weekend is what I was thinking. So I was sore Saturday, but I did manage to drink some beers, watch both games uh, between my living room, sitting on the couch with corn. I, a lot of people talk about using the frozen peas. My frozen pea bag that my wife had bought me for that purpose was a, the bag was a little too stiff. I didn't like it. We had a, a bag of like cheap, like, you know, bull crap, 99 cent corn, frozen corn, big bag of them. I used that. That was much softer and kind of molded to my junk better to keep me iced up. But yeah, I watched the games all day Saturday. One, uh, I think probably I'd call it the best Saturday of uh, the best semifinals that we've ever seen that I can remember seeing two games going to overtime. Both of them, you know, all four, all uh, both games, the four teams were all top notch blue bloods teams that were just playing their best lacrosse. It, it was an incredible weekend of lacrosse. Sadly, the division two 
semi-finals uh, uh, on Sunday, which I also watched on the back porch drinking beer. I was feeling a little better by Sunday. Um, that did not go well. Lenore Ryan, uh, you know, their most famous, Lenore Ryan, as many people know, their most famous alum is definitely Tom Segura. He must be just delighted that Lenore Ryan's lacrosse team won a national title here. They just absolutely kicked the shit out of Mercyhurst. 20-5 to was the final score. I watched it, kind of half paid attention because it was such a shit show, but Brett Only at the faceoff dot didn't have his best game. That didn't cause, or no, Brett Only and Cage didn't have his best game, but that didn't cause this loss. Although here, look at Rob Pensa being here for Lenore Ryan. Uh, what was it? 14 saves against, five goals against. He played well. Faceoff dot, Doran, he won the battle at the faceoff dot as expected. It was just Lenore Ryan was really good offensively. Mercyhurst was not and uh, Lenore Ryan wins their first national title. Tufts over, uh, I thought Tufts was going to beat Salisbury. I picked Lenore Ryan. I didn't think they were going to win by that much, but I figured Lenore Ryan was going to win. I picked Tufts. I thought they'd beat Salisbury. Salisbury came out, dominated their asses in the end here. Cross Ferrara, four, three and one. So his legacy is now cemented. Uh, Bryce Bromwell, four and oh. We look at the goalie situation here. Uh, Connor Garzone, not the best game. And it's Nicholas Ransom, who has the better game, wins the goalie battle. His team wins the national title. I think it was the 13th national title for Salisbury. Uh, Face-off battle. They don't even have stats for that shit. Who needs it? But, you know, that's it, guys. I feel weird. Um, I'd like to sit here longer, but I'm already getting a little bit sore. Uh, I'm almost a week out here, so I'm, I, it went well. Anyone who's thinking about getting their uh, their snip snip here, I can't recommend it enough. You know, I'll sh be shooting blanks in no time, and that's going to be awesome. Like I said, this is not the end. This is not goodbye. It is it is technically the end of season four. I, I always do the last episode. Uh, the, for the national championship, and I call that the end of season four. So we, we will be starting season five this weekend. I'm going to do a weekly podcast still where I'll be discussing the PLL. I have not decided on days yet, but I think I'm going to do a live stream Saturday morning where I'm going to announce my division one winners, like, you know, my, my uh, awards for every position across the board. Uh, I'll do an MVP, offensive, defensive. I'll actually go probably position by position. So I'll do an MVP, then I'll do an attack, a mid, a defense. You know, I'll go through all of that. But as part of that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the PLL, and uh, we'll kind of set the stage here for when I'm going to do shows. I'm thinking maybe Wednesdays sounds good. We can do a weekend recap and weekend next weekend's preview show together on Wednesdays. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe we play it by ear, but uh, great season. Uh, we improved viewership. This season by roughly, I think, about 15% over last season, which is understandable. I think, I, you know, if I'm being critical of myself, I, I feel like I did a better, much better job this year. Last year, I was having some health issues, COVID-related heart issues and crap like that. So I was definitely not on top of my game, uh, whereas this year, I felt great all year, right up until I uh, sacrificed my nuts to my wife and uh, got that stupid vasectomy. So I think I did a better job, but viewership was up by, like I said, about 15% per episode um, across you know the audio and the videos and all of that crap. So I can't thank you guys enough here. So come back for the live stream. Uh, I believe Saturday morning, I'm going to start the live stream at 10 a.m., on Saturday morning, hit hit for that. Uh, hit me with questions that you might want me to answer about this season. I'm gonna kind of just try to do a season in review, do the do the awards. I'm gonna look back at my predictions and see how I did over the course of the season, and then we're gonna talk about PLO lacrosse and all of that crap. So I'm getting out of here. I'm gonna go put some ice in my nuts and get my ass to work here. But uh, as I've always say, legitimately from the bottom of my heart, thank you for watching. You you know without. 
people watching, I probably would still do this, but it wouldn't be nearly as fun for damn sure. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, that's it. Hoost is out. And I will be back Saturday morning, 10 a.m. for the season reviews live stream. Please join me then, 10 a.m. Eastern on the YouTube. And that's it. Hoost is out. Factor. The Lapse Factor Podcast.